Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Really good. Really good. We're taping this on Labor Day evening. It's episode 116 of The Long Finish. Just winding down from a long weekend. About to uh, turn into uh, a, a huge moment for us as we have all three kids in some sort of school starting tomorrow. So we're celebrating. Oh, yeah. We are celebrating another thing tonight. Over the weekend, Catherine and I celebrated our 10-year anniversary of being married. And for tonight, we decided to go a little bit baller. We decided to drink Catherine's favorite region of Burgundy. We went to a producer that we visited before, and we're celebrating with the vintage the year we got married, 2013. So, Catherine, what are we drinking tonight? We are drinking Simon B's Afil. This is Le Fourneau Premier Cru 70 Le Bon from Burgundy, France, 2013. What a pleasure. We have been looking for a wine to drink for this special occasion, not only for the podcast, but just to sort of celebrate ourselves in 10 years. We looked through the wine list at Esther's to find some 2013s. This is, comes from the cellar over at Esther's. And we'll talk some more about this wine in general because there are some wines from Simone B's at Esther's. This may have been the last 2013, sadly, but we had to take it. We had to do it. And now we had a 2013 Lafarge in our cellar, but we opted for this because, well, we visited Lafarge also. We did. I don't know. It was between the two and we opted for this, but... Red versus white, I think. No, that was a red too. Oh. The thing is, you know, 2013, not like the most celebrated year of Burgundy. It was kind of a dip, really. Interesting. But people who know great producers follow those producers. And even no matter the year, you know, they know something special will happen with that wine. And there's also, it's just 10-year-old Burgundy is great. It's perfect to be drinking right now. This wine is exceptional. And there's a reason why the 2013s are out. The 12s went out a little while ago. The 11s are long gone. Uh, what do you mean by that? They're being drunk? They're, yeah. they're hard to find? People yeah. are get. I mean, maybe different in different restaurants, but at Esther's, yeah. Very interesting. Now, I have a lot of questions about this wine, about understanding vintage. So it's going to be a great conversation. We did celebrate our anniversary on Friday night. September 1st is our anniversary. We went out to, to uh, Juliet in Culver City. Had a great time. Surprised you because we thought we were going for like an aperitivo hour in a window with which our kids wouldn't be burdened by a babysitter for too long. Our goal was we're going to get the local babysitter. We're going to get in and out of a happy hour. It'll be really affordable and just fun time out. Uh, fast forward to not that. Well, we discovered... <laughs> And we knew that this wine list was, their wine list was excellent because we were lucky enough, Esther's and Juliet were both recognized by wine enthusiasts last month as two of the top 50 places to eat and drink wine in the U.S. So we wanted to see what they were doing. It's not far from us. And we opened their wine list. Your face just went gaga. Well, they have like 16 pages of champagne, all from small producers. Like I was just bowled over it was incredible so i could have sat there all night just reading it their menu is cool it's a great place it's so if you're in the la area or culver city you want to check out juliet go ahead and do it do you remember the champagne that we had for that evening we had a producer who was totally new to me olivier oreo 
And we had this Rosé de Sagné that was vintage 2013. It was the most serious Rosé champagne I've ever had. And it was unbelievable. Like complete opposite from what you and I had from our last podcast, which was pop and pour. This was so serious, but last our whole meal. And it was also 2013. Really cool champagne producer. I didn't know anything about it. It was fabulous. I'll post a picture of that in our Instagram story for you to see it. The color is amazing. Captain said maybe they could improve the label. The label had had a little bit to be desired. <laughs> it, w- it looked sort of like a, I don't know. It was beyond grocery store, you know, but not just, Nothing special. Like you said, the wine had almost savory components. I mean, when you're looking for ways, and Catherine and I can do this. We can go through a bottle of champagne, no problem. And this kind of had a little bit of, let's take our time with this. Let's see where this thing goes. And that's what I wanted. I mean, sometimes you're in the mood for something light or something really mineral driven or refreshing and dry. But I was looking for something that had more depth and more body to it because, I don't know, I wanted to linger with it. And this, everything I read about the producer, because I'm like looking at the wine list for, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes before we even chose what we're going to drink. And I was looking it up and I thought, this is really special. And also, it's 2013. It's rosé. This is something we're never going to get again. You know, let's try it. And it was, we had it with, it was amazing with food. Had a great time on our anniversary, celebrating 10 years. We have a lot to look forward to this fall, including our kids all being in school at one time. Oh my. Cannot wait for that. That starts tomorrow. Full report coming next week with our three days of freedom a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. Yeah. Like, we're going to be lucky if we get, you know, two and a half hours tomorrow, but we're going to ease into a full day. He's going. Well, I want to turn back the clock quickly and just sort of reminisce on our wedding day 10 years ago just for everyone who knows we got married in Lyons Colorado which is just outside of Boulder at a place called Planet Bluegrass where they have giant bluegrass festivals all summer an amazing outdoor venue eight days later there was the great flood hundred year floods hundred year right. flood in the Colorado Lions Boulder area and washed this place away they had to do charitable events there to kind of raise it back to where it is now now it is open again but I mean just eight days later the, th- the thing was washed away we take away a lot of memories obviously what are your main memories when you think of your own wedding Catherine what are you thinking of what comes to mind? I mean, I I think of that location was just so special. It was like tucked in behind this great big rock, like cliff looking thing. There was a creek. It was just a beautiful Colorado landscape. And looking around, seeing friends, and it was just, it felt easy. It felt like a very, very planned, (laughs) (laughs) but simple, simply executed event you know deceptively simple i think deceptively simple is well said i mean effortless is a way we want to describe it but we worked really hard i mean this is a wedding that you and i it was homemade our parents uh, my parents helped uh, pay for some of it your parents helped pay for some of it we paid for some of it and we did a lot of work to make sure we could keep it under budget i mean let's talk about some of the things that you were doing oh yeah prep for this i mean like i was a craigslist crazy person (laughs) i got like plates off of craigslist like a hundred and whatever 200 something dessert plates forks silverware i got vintage um tablecloths for every single 
tablecloth. Every, every single table had two tablecloths, a bigger one and a smaller one. We had like plants on all the tables that I had a bunch of my friends came early and we put the flowers in the vases. And then some of the plants were planted that my dad, my parents helped me plant and put like this covering around. So they looked really cute. But that was weeks before. I mean, there was so much. But, but basically, I, and I just want to interrupt. The, the Planet Bluegrass is basically, we'll, you pay for the location, and then you can do whatever you want. We can bring in which the was food. Awesome. We can bring in the alcohol. We had that awesome bluegrass band. The bluegrass was band. so cool. We, we, did a, we, we danced. I have not seen other people do this, but it was sort of spontaneous, too. We danced our first dance in the wedding ceremony to a great bluegrass version of This Must Be the Place by Talking Heads. And, you know, you talk about the, the things that we had to do. We brought in you know, alcohol. We put wheelbarrows around. We wanted to put, you know, we, we put the beer. We did the beer. We did the alcohol. I DJ'd yep, the have, wedding yep. with an iPad base or an iPod, basically, playing songs that I knew that you and I would like. We had a bunch of outdoor Very games. Very DIY. It was so yeah, DIY. Outdoor games, yeah. But the, the most of the games, also I got off Craigslist, and I would call my parents. I'm here in LA, and I would call my parents and say, you guys, tomorrow at 3 p.m., you need to drive to this location. You're going to meet a man named Robert, and you're going to pick <laughs> up a giant Jenga. <laughs> my parents were like, okay, our garage is really full. <laughs> we drove out somewhere to get string lights. Yep. From somebody mm-hmm. in a out. very weird apartment complex, but we, you know, we were just on a budget and like, listen, I can work those apps when needed. Um, Do you remember the wines from our wedding? Oh, I will say this: it rained, it sprinkled, not during the ceremony, but just before. Everyone was coming out for cocktail hour, and usually we talked about maybe doing champagne for cocktail hour, but we didn't. Did we do prosecco or something like that? We did prosecco yeah. because I thought it would well listen we were on a budget but also it was going to be hot you know someone it's really hot you don't want like a super dry champagne you want something with a little fruit that's like refreshing okay there's lemonade and prosecco that's it it was perfect our wines for our wedding were not fancy they were not they were just it was still pretty simple delicious wines that you want to drink our fancy wines save that for the honeymoon you know that was like i wasn't trying to brag about the wines i was actually just kind of getting them on record like do you happen to remember okay i know we had prosecco for i don't remember the producer one of the reds was from shav it was the moncur from the rhone yep so i didn't remember that and i don't remember the white or the rosé I'm sure I could look at a picture. We have pictures of those. Yeah, just a way to go down memory lane. People, you know, not every listener went to our wedding, so I wanted to enlighten them to what we were up to. I mean, the Bluegrass Band played a song for us. We danced to um, When the Stars Go Blue from Ryan Adams or Tim McGraw. Wherever that was music. awesome. I danced with my mom to The Beatles. I can't remember which song. In My Life, maybe? Yeah, In My Life. Do you remember what you danced with your dad to? Was it My Girl? Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of classics. Had a great time. Did a little uh, buffet-style dinner. We had pies instead of cake. That's right. And then we danced. And we, we shuttled away. We shuttled out of there. Shuttled in, shuttled out. We had a lot of friends and family there. It was a fairly good-sized wedding. I, w- I want to say 185 or something like that. The space made it feel small, so it was kind of nice. Yeah, it was a big space. Ten years ago, this weekend, hopefully we'll, we'll shoot for 11. Want to go for one more? Oh, sure. Ten more? I wish we could do that wedding again. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be fun. Let's do it again at, I don't know, maybe 25. Well, happy anniversary, Catherine. 
Happy anniversary. Ten great years. Here's to more. And we're celebrating these 10 years with this great bottle of wine. It's a place we visited, so we can talk about that experience too. But let's remind everyone what we're drinking tonight. And let's get into a little bit more about this producer and why we love this wine so much. Yeah, so this is Simon B. Zafil, Le Fourneau Premier Cru from Savigny Le Bon in Burgundy, France. And this is Vintage 2013. So we visited this producer in 2014, which was pretty remarkable. So that's one year after this wine was produced. It's also one year after this domain went under a huge change. In October of 2013, right when this wine was being picked, the proprietor of the domain, who was Patrick Bees, a very beloved man in Burgundy, larger than life, funny, warm, just had a huge following of friends and people in the industry that love this man. He passed away suddenly. He was in a car accident after something happened with his heart, and then he was in a coma, and then he passed away. Tragic. Totally tragic. And so we came to the domain a year later and met his wife. Patrick was survived by his wife, Chisa. She's Japanese. And his two children. And Chisa is, well, everyone was saying to us, and I think we notice, she's the opposite. He was like, you know, larger than life and take up a room and always thinking of funny things. And she was softer, quieter, very, very calm. And I remember when we met her, you were just like, taken with how calm this woman was. She's speaking in French. She was speaking in English. Um, We also had a translator with us. But as I said, she's originally Japanese. Patrick actually met her when he was on a business trip to Tokyo years before. Chisa was a banker there and she volunteered to be his translator for his visit. I don't know how that happened. And they fell in love and she moved to Burgundy. So she is running the domain now and has been since 2013, which is no small thing. I mean, this is not a young domain. This has been, this domain's been around since the 19th century. Patrick's great grandfather started in the 1800s and it was grown over the years, grew to now about 54 acres. And Patrick took it over in the 1980s. He really, you know, started the domain to be recognized in restaurants and people buying it abroad. He started working with Becky Wasserman, and that's how we knew about the wine, and that's how the wine was exported. And we've done another episode on Becky Wasserman, but she was really a champion of so many of these small domains that really had no say. Now, the other thing about it is this is not in Jeffrey Chambertown. This is not in Von Romane. This is in Savigny Le Bon, which is definitely, and it's not like a top level village in Burgundy. It's not like the top, top. And one of the reasons for that is its location. And also, there are no Grand Crus in Savigny Le Bon. It's sort of between the city of Bon, just north of there, northeast, and it's south of Alux Corton. And it's a pretty small village, AOC. There's like a a creek. It was once a river that sort of divides it between north and south hills. So there's like a lot of drainage, a lot of different soil types. But it's really known as a village 
that's full of wines that are value, that have like a charming rusticity about them. And when they're in the hands of a really good producer, I think they're soulful wines. And this producer has gained a lot of following in the last 10 years because of the work that the exporters have done, the distribution has done to get people to understand what they're doing at this estate. And also because the wines are just, I think, better than ever. I mean, this is beautiful, like showing so well in the glass. And it's also a 10-year-old wine and we're drinking on a night when it's open and so gorgeous. But every year the wines are getting better and better and better from this estate. And you know, we've talked about this in the past. We also made sure we checked the biodynamic calendar. Is that what it's called? Just to make sure that we were drinking it on a fruit day. So we didn't drink it on Friday night. We said this, the calendar was starting to turn Sunday into Monday. So we, as we said before about Burgundy, you want to give every opportunity for we it to try. succeed. We try. Now, Chisa really like was starting to push Patrick in the organic ways and some homeopathic traditions towards the end of his life, I guess. I mean, before he passed. But when she took over, she really made a lot of headway in that direction. We talked to her about that when we were at the state. And that was the word around that she was experimenting with some way more extreme biodynamic practices than maybe he would ever have been into. But she was, you know, she's in charge. And do you feel like the wines, as the years have gone on, have more of a representation of how she thinks about wine and views wine? Well, here's the thing. The winemaker is the same, Nicholas Gordo. He's with Patrick. He's with Chisa. All the cellar crew is a lot of the same people. So there's a lot of continuation. But certain decisions that are being made in the vineyard, maybe trying different experimental things and working in biodynamic ways, at least in five different vineyards, they're working really exclusively biodynamic. And so I think that with trying new things and allowing the wine to be more expressive of the vineyard, the wines are getting better. Now, you mentioned Becky Wasserman. We did do an episode talking about Becky, her influence on Burgundy, our relationship with Becky. That was episode 69. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, we talk about Burgundy more in depth. I mean, this wine is, like we always talk about, Burgundy being fickle, but this is a night where we... We won because the wine is tasting great. And I think it's like, why is it tasting great or what's special about it? And I think it. we opened it with our dinner earlier tonight because I wanted, you know, it's a really special bottle. I want to make it last as long as we can. And our son was like, let me smell that. You know, our kids want to smell wine. Like they know that there are different aromas. And he said, oh, that's cherry. There's cherry in there. Said, well, there's not cherry in there, but yeah. That's right. But the thing about wine that's that's showing well, that has a lot of age on it, is that it's just there are so many things that can that are just hard to name. There's cherry, there's like this damp earth, this unctuousness, there's a kind of umami, there's a little bit of like sweet and sour, there's spices. We could just linger with it for a long, long time. That's what's special. And when we talk about aging wines, Obviously, this is you know a little bit of guesswork, but what are you experiencing by drinking a wine that's been aged for 10 years, 2013, versus like a more recent vintage? How is the wine different, deepened, et cetera? Well, it's interesting. We actually 
at Esther's at our staff training last month that did that very experiment. Tasted same producer, same vineyard, same wine. I think they were five years apart. One was a stellar vintage, the older wine, and the younger wine was good, but not like stellar vintage. The younger wine has bright fruit that jumps off the nose. It's sort of, you can name three or four things that you get off the nose in the aromas. And it's bright and it's more simple and has a lot of freshness to it. Then we open the second wine. Okay, you can name three things. And then you sip it and you come back. Maybe we could name three more. Oh, but it's different. And how is it different? Let me smell that again. You know, it just keeps going. It keeps evolving. The same with the palate and the finish. Like, it keeps going. There's just complexity to it. Complexity, depth of flavor. And the texture, too. Texture can change over time and soften and just get easier in the mouth. I really love this visit. I remember watching the, some of the labels being put on the bottle when we went to uh, Simon B's. You mentioned one of the reasons, not only the, for the vintage you want to drink this wine, but this is also your favorite vineyard for this winemaker. I do love this vineyard. So Le Fourneau is means the oven, but it's like an oven used for melting ore. Like it's it refers to open pit mining. It's I like this vineyard because it is a warmer site, but I like it because it's both elegant and also has a little bit of power. There's a lot of clay in this vineyard, which is more usually more grip, more powerful wines. But it also has finesse. There's like softness to it. So I I like that it has both of those. And I think it's a great representation of this village. For dinner tonight, we had some roasted pork shoulder, brown rice, Brussels sprouts. Really the uh, quintessential start of fall dinner as we head into um, late summer, early fall. What are some other food pairings for not only this wine, but for Burgundy in general? I think when you're going for, when you're having something that's complex and you know it's going to take, you know, sip after sip getting to know the wine, the simpler the food is the better. I think of some of the meals that we had when we were there. Roast chicken with just some simple roasted fall vegetables. That would be perfect for this wine. You don't need anything too fancy. Now, I will say, on the other side of that note, we were there for Thanksgiving and we went to a restaurant on Thanksgiving and had escargot. And we had another wine from Savigny Le Bon from Pavlo, which I like that producer a lot too. And we had that with escargot and it was great. You also had beef bourguignon. beef bourguignon. That was a great pairing. Not too crazy. Not too complex. Hearty, home cooking, French style. How has this wine evolved over tonight? in your opinion. What do you think? Well, I'll say we've opened this bottle. It's been open for about three hours now. In my opinion, and again, I'm, I'm a dum-dum, but for me, the wine started with the nose being much brighter cherry to me. It was like like a, I want to say like maraschino, but it had that kind of color image in your head, like a bing cherry. And the nose over the, the three hours is sort of it's like, I want to say muddled, but it's deepened. It's like, it's it's not, it's not certainly not stewier, but it's more earthy. In my opinion, less fruit, and now we're getting more of that forest floor, more of that mushroom, more of that umami thing. Definitely. Happening. I agree with you. 
There was that bright, it was so bright that right when we opened it, it was just cherry, red cherry, black cherry, so pretty. And then like a little bit of that mushroom thing underneath and the spices. And now it's so umami. It's flipped. Yeah. That's cool. But that's why it's great to spend three hours with a wine. Uh, It's really fun. It's really a pleasure to drink this bottle of wine. I mean, you like to drink usually fresher wines, but... It shows the so fun my, of having vintage wines. We've seen that over the past couple of days. It is so awesome. I mean, we often drink fresher wines, and most people do, because it's expensive to buy old wines, and it's expensive to take the time to age wines in your cellar or in your wine fridge or wherever you age them. But it's worth it. It's worth it for those times of year when you want to celebrate something, because it is something to linger on. It is something special it's why wine is wine and not just a cocktail when someone goes to a restaurant or to a wine store and looks for vintage wines how do you guide them into finding the wine that feels like the right year i mean is 14 15 are there better years out there i mean it's a question i have as well so how do you navigate people to finding a great vintage wine that fits not only the year and telling a story of that year but also finding the right price relationship to that wine. Okay. Shortly after 2013, 2014 is maybe a little better. 2015 is banging, right? Everybody wants to drink 15. And then 16 is banging. Everybody wants to drink 16. So those wines sell out fast. Like, so if you got married just, in 15 or 16, I mean, get on it. Good right? luck <laughs> finding those vintages because everyone nabbed them up. That's the thing. That's why there's a little 13 left. So I think it's fun to drink something that is a little bit of a sleeper. 2012, which, okay, let's just say, if I look on wine, I, I know it's maybe slightly better than 13. And can I, I just say that, um, is this relative to just Burgundy? This isn't yeah, like... No, we're just talking about Burgundy. Copy you. Only. Like, maybe 2012 was slightly higher rated than 13, but they're both like not fabulous those wines just sold out 2012s maybe six months ago at esters because they were just hanging around especially villages like savigny limon or marcenay that aren't like the top villages that people want they aren't jeffrey chamartin they're not von romanet they're not nuit saint george they're not volnay you know people are like you know second tier okay Though that's where the value is. An off year with a really good small producer in like a second tier village, that's the way to go. That's a good tip. Just had a fantasy football draft today looking for fantasy value all across the board. No one likes value more than me, Catherine. You know that. Well, yeah. don't, Don't buy 2015 DRC unless you're super fancy rich but like what do you need to that's great i hope i have that someday but like i'm also really happy to drink this Absolutely. this is and what what i was saying about this wine is you know it is a soulful wine it doesn't feel and when i when i say that i mean there's a bit of character in it there's a little bit of rusticity it's not so polished around every edge you just you can taste a lot of different things in the wine. That is definitely a characteristic of wines that you like. Yeah. How can our listeners go and find a wine from Simone Bees? Simone Bees is around. 
It's imported here. Well, different importer in various parts of the U.S., but it's a small producer that you can find, probably mostly in restaurants and maybe a few small curated wine shops, Simon B's. There is some at Esther's as well. Definitely. I don't we think have, there's any more 2013. Uh, but we have a bunch of other vintages. Yeah, come in and try it. That are great. Anything else on this lovely wine maker, Burgundy, our anniversary? Any other thoughts before we move on? I'd like to go back. Yeah, well, we're working on that. We tomorrow's, s- tomorrow's a new step because the kids are going to school. That's it's a new right. step. We're getting closer. We, I will say we stayed in Alux Corton at the most charming little place. So very close to 70 Le bon. I'd love to like go back someday and work harvest and stay there. Let's do it. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to stick to the tune we had last week, which is music. Two quick thoughts. First, there's a DJ, famous DJ from Japan. His name is DJ Coco. If you like music from the 80s, 90s, some late 70s, this is a DJ from Japan who plays all his music from vinyl 45 records. I went to see him in Los Angeles down in Chinatown on Saturday night. It was like a trip back in time, like I was going back to something before I had kids. We all met at this little upstairs room that felt like a frat basement. Ceilings were like eight and a half feet, packed in there, 400, 500 people, just to hear this guy spin records. And it was so much fun. He has an Instagram account called at DJ Coco, a.k.a. Shimokita. I think he has 175,000 followers. Sometimes he'll just spin records. It was a really fun night out. Paid for it the next morning with the kids waking me up very early. But, you know, these are the things you do for, uh, you know, things you're passionate about. So check out DJ Coco. Also want to pay a quick respects and RIP to Jimmy Buffett. You know, it's very funny about Jimmy Buffett because I've probably seen him five times in concert. Really? With my parents. My dad, my mom, love Jimmy Buffett. Took many visits over the summers growing up to see Jimmy Buffett down at Virginia Beach or other places, wearing the shirts, hearing the songs. I always felt like it was so much fun to go to these shows. I didn't know if it was cool or uncool, but like so many people are coming out of the woodworks, people that I respect, these artists. Ben Stiller, Rob McElhaney, who created It's Always Sunny. All these people saying they loved Jimmy Buffett too. Well, I wish there was more of us out there when I was there with my parents, you know, singing Fins to the Left. But as I get older, I'm like, Jimmy Buffett did it right. He just went out there and, and provided joy and happiness for so many people. People are going there having the best time. And you and I talked about it when we went to see uh, Dead & Company. Just being around people that are there to be excited about the music, excited about life. And Jimmy Buffett did that. So, got to go pick up some of his records. Got to introduce the kids to Cheeseburger in Paradise. Come Monday, Pirate Looks at 40, all these great songs. Margaritaville, of course. We made some margaritas over the weekend as a tribute. Anyway, RIP Jimmy Buffett. Thank you for bringing joy and happiness to so many people, including myself and my family. Catherine, what do you have? Well, last week you were talking about Labor Day and, you know, what it signifies, you know, and do you like Labor Day or looking forward to it? What about the, you know, what does it mean for you? And I mentioned that I love going back to school. I loved school. Still love school. I'd stay in school forever if I could. So for me, 
living through these children, going back to school and going on multiple tours of the school and the principal leading these coffee and chat talkbacks and just being in that school atmosphere is so inspiring to me. And I love our little school. I love El Rincon Elementary. It is a warm, warm inclusive community. And it's it's so fun to be a part of. I just feel energized as a parent to be part of it all. We had a fundraiser that was like an in and out truck at the school last week. And parents and people were waiting in line for over an hour, two hours you waited in line because I had to have a, a burger too. And it was great. It was just so fun to be part of that. So yay. Thanks to El Rincon Public School. It's wonderful to be part of this community. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 116 of The Long Finish. Episode 116 is in the books. Catherine, happy anniversary. Thank you so much. You know what? Thank you. Happy anniversary Thank to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, we should be back next week with an all-new episode of the show. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker. You can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish, both on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Go out there and have a great short week. Football is back, by the way. U.S. Open finals coming up. It's a great time for sports. Ryder Cup at the end of the month. We should have some new wine to celebrate the last days of summer and start of fall. So check us out next episode. Until then, have a great week. Be happy. Be healthy and happy drink. Ciao.